Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan. He can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much. We are grateful for all the folks who have listened. We are actually surprised and stunned. I am uh, Matt Harris. Across from me, the lovely Seton Tucker. Uh, you can reach out to us at any point you'd like to. The best way for Seton is S-E-T-O-N Tucker uh, on Facebook. Uh, and I am Matt Harris from the Matt Ramona Show, 107.9 The Mix, WLNK. You can get through the Matt Harris Facebook page as well, or MattHarris1028 at gmail.com. And boy, are Things have been lighting up our inboxes and our phones or whatever over the last few days. Uh, just to give you the basic picture, we hope you'll go back and digest all the episodes we had, especially when we were doing episodes we thought zero people would listen to. Now it's uh, a ton, and uh, that's that's fantastic. We still remember, though, there's a lot of tragedy involved in what we're talking about. Uh, the Murdoch family, famous in what they call the low country of South Carolina, uh, covering five counties through 85 years of being solicitors, which is a prosecutor or a district attorney in many places. So they were in charge of the law for a long, long time, starting with Randolph the first way back in, I think, 1905, and then his son and then son Firth, and a whole bunch of things went on with that. There was a whole, st- you could write a whole story just about that. Uh, and then uh, Randolph the third. Uh, has sons John Marvin, Randy, and Alec. I want to set the players because it does get a bit confusing at times. So you have John Marvin, Randy, and Alec. Randy and Alec work for a law firm in Hampton, and it's one of the most powerful law firms uh, in the state. Tons of money coming in through personal injury, lawsuits, amongst other things. Uh, Alec marries Maggie. They have sons Paul and Buster. Paul and Maggie were found shot to death June 7th of 2021 on what they call the Moselle property uh, and found by Alec, Paul's dad, and Maggie's husband. Uh, There are other deaths where Murdoch's name come up, 
When you go back to 2015, Stephen Smith ruled a hit and run, but during the investigation, the Murdoch name comes up often. Uh, Mallory Beach, uh, 2019, she's killed in a boating accident. Paul Murdoch is indicted on charges of boating under the influence, doesn't have to stand trial, doesn't end up standing trial because he is shot and killed, as we said, on June 7th. And I missed uh, 2018 when uh, Satterfield dies in a fall in on Alec Murdoch's property and is awarded, I believe, $500,000 plus some other expenses. Uh, and we don't know much about that, although it happened on Alec Murdoch's property. So that's kind of a, a background of what has gone on. And as I said, you can go back and hear the episode. So Seton, you and I are both out of town. And Saturday, phones start blowing up, Facebook starts blowing up, etc. Take us to that time. Well, I was actually getting ready to leave to go to the South Carolina game. So I was packing a cooler and all of a sudden I, my phone is like ringing off the hook and like, you're not going to believe this. Alec Murdoch was shot. And I was like, what? Crazy. And I really honestly thought maybe this is more fake news because it can't get crazier than this. Yeah. And so I immediately called you and you were like, on vacation what? with your family at the beach. And you're like, yeah. what? What? So we started calling people we knew and people were calling us and, uh, this is what eventually comes out during that day, and we will backtrack as needed after we were going to take you kind of in the the order, chronological order, of, as we were finding out things. So we find out this is happening. At the time, we're not, is it in his leg? He's shot in the head. Is he severely hurt? We don't know. We know he's life-flighted. Uh, turns out it is a superficial wound, or not a serious wound, as reported at that time. It changes a little bit later. Um, and, and what else do we start as, as the information starts trickling in? So Griffin, who is Alex's attorney, talks to the Island Packet, and he says that Murdoch had pulled off the road because he was having car trouble while traveling to Charleston when a truck with two people in it drove past, turned around, and then came back and shot him. And he reported that he was flown to MUSC, but that was inaccurate. And, and then I think, USC would be uh, University of South Carolina in Charleston. Right, where he actually there. went to Savannah. But he's getting this information from Alex's brother, Randy. So uh, we don't know. We've been tr- I'm trying to figure out the order of Alec calling 911 and his brother. Well, So then we get this statement from SLED. SLED says that they were investigating a shooting off of old Sakahachi Road in Hampton County near Varnville. They received a call from Murdoch on Saturday, June 4th at 1.34 p.m. where he told dispatchers that he had been shot by, he had been shot. Hampton County Sheriff's Office secured the scene while Murdoch was transported by air to the Memorial Health Center in Savannah. Um, and then we find out from Griffith that he called Randy at 2.15. So I think yeah. he did call the yes. 911 before he called his brother. Because there was a, some debate at that when it was first starting to come out. So uh, Griffin, his attorney, is, is talking to Island Packet and some others about this. And I want to take this one thing that people seem to be talking a lot about, is like Facebook or, or whatnot, is... Why was he changing a tire? For some reason, that's been a thing a lot of people have been hung up on. There was a question, does that kind of Mercedes SUV even have a spare tire? Um, but when you read it again, when you go through it again, people don't need to be hung up on this because if you read it closely, it says he got out to inspect the tire. Right. So a red light could have come on and he went out and looked um, to see if it was flat. Right. 
Because there was like people were going, they were, as you know, they were talking about that all the time. Right, and they're the talking buzz. about these run flat tires, and why wouldn't he just call nine one one? Now he was on our very rural road, so theoretically it could. My, I was talking to my husband about this, and he said, "Well, if I got a flat tire out in the middle of nowhere, I'm just going to change it myself because I don't want to wait for AAA or roadside assistance to come. That would just." And other people are saying it's hot as heck, as hot as Hades. It, is. it doesn't matter because, and we talked about the photo we saw. Uh, there was no tire laying on the floor, but it doesn't matter because if you really read the words closely, he got out to inspect the tire. So he might have been ready to call somebody. He might, you know, whatever. Uh, the tire is flat. He steps out. So just we can wipe that off of the the concern. I think of a lot of people who have been reporting and talking about why, why was that happening. I don't think it's uh, an issue. I do think what we do need to talk about is, you know, going back to we've talked about this many times before on this podcast was them police saying there was no threat to public safety. And we had, you know, there have been reports that Alec was out at the Governor's Cup in Edisto. And this is after the murders af- of his wife and right. son. Right. And also he was at the trial lawyers convention in Hilton Head. So it seemed, we kept saying, gosh, if you're, there's still a person at large who shot your wife and son, you might be fearful to be out in public. Right. Especially can, given that the, Time of death was ruled between 9 and 9.30 of Paul and Maggie, and Alec at, I believe, 10.07 calls 911, so there was not a lot of time there. Right, like, was he supposed to be there? Yes. So, yes, it was, you know, as everybody was saying, everybody grieves different, so it's not really worried about the fact that he was in public. What we wondered about was, would you not be worried? About your own personal safety. Yes, right out of the gate. um, I think the Colleton County, I think Colleton police said, there's no threat to public safety. So, yes, yeah, so now maybe there was, but we don't know who shot right, what the which deal was. led you to think it was targeted, but obviously, you know, it it seems very coincidental that almost three months to the day after his son and wife were shot that he was shot. Like, which is random guy driving down the road mad at him. It does not seem likely that it could have just been a random something. And one thing I had talked about was, that uh, a lot of folks or some people were talking about get uh, tire tracks, get uh, some sort of imprint from this truck that allegedly went by. And then someone said, well, there's not going to be any tracks because if you're on asphalt, unless they break. It's not gonna be However, we've been on those roads down there. If you're a truck, you are not, if you, especially if you're turning quickly, the odds of you being able to turn around and not go off the road is pretty slim. Oh yeah, that's almost seems impossible. Almost impossible. So you you would have at least some tire print in the side of the road, unless he really took his turn and did a slow three point turn to come back. <laughs> so good. that's just and there's a church, yes. uh, I believe, uh, sixteen hundred block or maybe fourteen hundred block of uh, of the road, and uh, Alec was shot in the fifteen hundred block. So it's very close. And if you if you see, there's a video on Twitter, and I wish I could give her credit, the person who took the video. But that, the church is not far away. Possibility there could be cameras. No, and in that Twitter video, you do see marks where there were, appear to be, they were probably tagging where there were shell casings. Or, or blood. Or blood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, there are marks. And there was probably, I think you could see 10, maybe little tents up with the numbers on it, something well, like that. Another thing people really kind of seemed to go crazy about was why he was on this road, because it didn't seem like it would be a direct way to go from Moselle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But our sources have told us that he wasn't actually living at Moselle. He had been staying with his brother, 
John Marvin. And we don't along know exactly with Buster. Who he is. Yeah. And he's lives somewhere in Hampton County, but he could have also been visiting a friend. I mean, it's we'll never know. I mean, if if you wanted to be on a back road back road for some reason you didn't want to travel the interstate or there's plenty of plenty of back roads. Plenty of plenty of reasons why you might be on a back road. I mean, it do, it does seem a little bit suspicious, yeah. but I saw there was a way to get to I'm going to blow up or maybe 64 or something like that. There was a, there is a way to go that way. Yes. It's just a longer way, uh, depending on where he started. But that I don't, I don't, again, the only reason I think people are questioning that would be if they're thinking that he wanted to be somewhere desolate. But I don't think that in and of itself means much. Okay, so um, that's what we get through all that Saturday, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then Sunday, it uh, comes out uh, that... Uh, the New York Times reports that there was a confront—not a, con- I guess, confrontation—is a good word—with uh, his law firm on Friday. Well, New York Times says pushed out. I mean, yes, so that's, that's, that's that seems pretty. Like that's a, a confrontation. confrontation. <laughs> we can say confrontation. Um, explain what the the Times and others have reported about that. Okay, so just the day before he was shot, we. Uh, on Friday, September 3rd, Alex resigned from the law firm, and this is from a statement that PMPED released. That's the uh, attorney. That's the name of the law firm. Right, and yeah. the M in PMPED is Murdoch. He is no longer associated with PMPED in any manner. His resignation came after the discovery by PMPED that Alec misappropriated funds in violation of PMPED standards and policies. That's huge. Uh, the the Murdochs have been a part of that law firm for 90 years or whatever it is. Uh, so brother that, still his, works. Brother, brother still, still works, there. works there. Yes, yes. So it's a a, a major deal. And the sources uh, that the Times and uh, Post Courier report are saying millions with an S, uh, possibly allegedly, uh, and they misappropriated. And they say they've hired a forensic accounting firm to go through to investigate, and they've also reported it to law enforcement and the South Carolina Bar. That is big time. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories. You participate in dialogues. So you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. And I want to bring in our legal expert, former prosecutor and defense attorney, uh, John Snyder, because we have some questions about how this might have worked. Hi, John. How are you? 
I'm well. How are you doing? Great. Um, so one question that when I was seeing that there were millions of dollars missing that was reported in the New York Times, I was just kind of shocked. It's like, how is it possible that millions of dollars could be missing without anyone noticing? When you have a law, law firm that is the size of their law firm, they have tens of millions of dollars flowing in and out of their trust account. Now, that's not money that the law firm is earning. That's money that's coming in for a house closing. That's money that's coming in for a personal injury claim settlement. That's money that clients are putting in for their retainers, for the attorneys to draw off of. And so that trust fund will have a gigantic amount of money that doesn't reflect anything of the firm's assets but is a just a giant pot of all the different clients and things that a law firm is involved in. So like so, so let me ask you this so so just to understand it. So if uh, a somebody wins a personal lawsuit thing or they they don't get the straight check for whatever many millions of dollars, the law firm would pay out doctors bills, their fees, all that stuff out of this, you know, let's say it's a $1 million settlement goes in the trust yep. and they pay everything out before the plaintiff gets their money. That's right. So so Typically, you get a, a, a third of whatever. So let's say it's a million dollars. Uh, you're going to get the, the victim's going to get three hundred thirty-three thousand. The law firm's going to get three hundred thirty thousand, and then the other stuff's going to go to to cost and and whatever 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 bills there were, and that's administered by the law firm. And so the insurance companies will write a check directly to the law firm for that money to be administered. So do you think, so could he have done this alone or would he have had to have someone in accounting or some sort of assistant help him with this? No, I think he could have done it himself. He could, uh, you know, he could have written, uh, submitted a fake invoice to Dr. Feelgood and Dr. Feelgood gets a $20,000 check and uh, he He's like, well, I'll deliver it to, to Dr. Feelgood myself. Gotcha. And he goes and endorses the check and deposits it in his own personal account. Right, right. So that means allegedly, this all could, that's the way he possibly could do it. He could write out, say that there's a, you know, they do, a card was totaled and come up with a, a dollar amount and take it to Mr. Joe's auto shop or something. Yeah. And do that. Um, the, you had told me at one point I was talking to you that when you're messing with a trust, it's a pretty, that's a very serious deal. So that that's like the that's like the third rail of lawyering. You never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, in any way, ever touch trust account money because that is not your money. That is the people who put that money in there's money, and so. What broke up. Uh-oh. Say it again. So you're about you to say something. You can see how quickly South Carolina's, you know, suspended his license uh, just over the mere allegation that there's been some uh, issue. Yeah, because they they uh, they they suspended it very quickly. He hasn't even gone through any. Yeah, that just happened on Friday where they reported him to the bar and he's already been suspended. And that and that, that because it's 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 the you know, in sitting in law school, you know, Basic Law 101, you know, they start drilling into you, thou shalt not touch the trust fund money. 
And when we're saying that forensic accounting, that doesn't necessarily mean it's by the government or IRS or anything else. That's just an accounting firm that comes in and tries to figure out where everything went. That's right. And so what's happened probably is, is the other partners at the law firm noticed that they're, that the, the fund wasn't reconciling with the deposits. And so that's, that's caused them to um, reach, reach this conclusion. And so they, they dove into the books found the stuff and that's what's created this issue and if it's and if it's uh if it's true uh the you're that's a that's a heavy sentence type thing oh it's 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 the end it, like you're you're done for as a lawyer okay right, right. and maybe more and maybe jail time and well all that sort of and, then, thing. and then you're done for with the with the state and then you're, you're done for with the tax people and then you're done for with wherever the money went and who those people were that got that money Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, that uh, that clears that up a lot because we were a lot of people were curious how the heck would he take millions of dollars? Yeah, it's, but, uh, it seems shocking. You, you the like law he's firm, the ahead. law firm is also they're going to be on the front side of this because they don't they're in charge of that trust fund too, so they're they they're not going to lose all their hard work because this guy's been stealing out of their own trust fund. Gotcha. Okay, and that brings us to Randy, his brother, who works at a law firm. Awkward. Uh, he uh, released a statement in the Greenville News. Is that where this was today? Yes. Yeah. Um, he says, I was shocked, just as the rest of my PMPED family, to learn of my brother Alex's drug addiction and stealing of money. I love my law firm family and also love Alec as my brother. While I will support him in recovery, I do not support, condone, or excuse his conduct in stealing by manipulating his most trusted relationships. I will continue to pursue my client's interest with the highest degree of honesty and integrity as I always have. Because they're just staying on the law firm, even though they might have nothing to do with this. That, that's right. That, all of them are equally responsible for their trust fund. And so... Oh, wow. They are they are absolutely going to be on the front side of this to say, hey, we had all the right procedures in place and this guy still circumvented them and tried to get around um, what needed to happen to get the right thing to, to occur. Gotcha. Um, and he's also uh, Alec is uh, also obviously no longer can prosecute. As a volunteer, well, they've, which take, is they've taken their website down because I guess they're probably trying to figure out a quick way to get Alec off the website. <laughs> I can scrub that pretty quick. Um, anything else that jumps out of you, uh, John Snyder? No, I, I think at this point the the you know the the rope is tightening. The facts are starting to just roll out, and you know the big questions that we had at the very beginning are going to start being answered by looking at where the money went and and why it was spent the way it was spent. And those clues will probably solve uh, both both the murders and maybe even the attempted murder slash headshot of this past weekend. Uh, John, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Bye. Bye. That's uh, John Snyder, former DA, also defense attorney and law expert. And that's a nice, uh, shining some nice light onto that because that was something I saw going back and forth on Facebook is like how does he do this um and I also well I'll get back to that money in a second I, I will I'll get back to my questions about the money but let's go to uh the other thing that broke over the weekend was that uh Alec and I, I want to point out that you'll if you're reading in print you'll see A-L-E-X and uh we say Alec 
I think then they say um, Elik, but that would really confuse everybody. So Alec Murdoch is how we're uh, going to go. So so what do you, uh, Alec uh, released a statement uh, that he uh, is going into rehab. Do you have that? Yes. So he says, the borders of my wife and son have caused me an incredibly difficult time in my life. I've made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I'm immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. So he is out of the hospital. He's out of the hospital, um, and he went straight. I think he got out yesterday. Yeah, whatever day we're on. But he was only in the hospital for two days, maybe? Right, so it couldn't couldn't have been that serious if he was only in the hospital two or three days. And people were saying, well, why was he airlifted or whatever? But it also... Well, head wounds do bleed a lot. That's right. So they might not have been. So, yeah, you you weren't sure. And if you took an ambulance, it's, what is that, about an hour and a half, probably? Right. uh, From there. Um, So, uh, to Savannah. So he goes to rehab, which is a a, thing that is, uh, I feel bad for anybody who's going through addiction stuff. It is also a place, though, where you can go and, um, not that he doesn't, is lying about being addiction, but he's not going to be hounded by media. Right. He's uh, focusing on his wellness, but it is a place that maybe he could reflect. And in fact, his attorney said these allegations prompted him to confront his dependency and he voluntarily checked into an inpatient substance abuse rehab facility after being discharged. There you go. So he's saying he, you know, the allegations are what prompted him to go. Yes. But he said he's had the addiction long before the murders. Right. Um, Okay, so we want to move from there for a minute. We're going to go to Randy's. We had Randy's uh, statement we read uh, when we were talking to John. So let's go back to new things coming out about the car that we're finding out over the last you know, 12 hours or whatnot uh, that Alec was driving. So there was an article that came out in the Post and Courier the Tuesday after he was shot on Saturday in which... Alex's attorney, Griffin, talks about, he confirms that he was inspecting the flat tire on his late wife's Mercedes Benz. He does say there was an entry and exit wound bullets, and he described the injury as significant. And he suspects that it was a setup and then says he was very lucky to be alive. Which is really interesting because, well, I guess you could say lucky to be alive, even if it was not a major wound, because if this guy shot at you... Right. You are. And, and I mean, it does seem very days. implausible that if this was a hired hit or really just anybody. I was talking to my friend who grew up in the country and she said, any man or woman in the country is going to be able to kill someone dead if they wanted to in that type of a situation. I mean, it's not yes. like you would have to be a terrible shot to shoot someone, shoot at someone multiple times and only have a very minor right. injury. Now, we aren't sure how if there was multiple. You know, there was multiple shots. Or is that just what everybody's saying, but we you don't know, know for don't sure, right? No, for sure. And yeah. I think, yeah, because we I was thinking based on the pictures we saw, yeah. the little orange, but you're right. You mentioned earlier that that could have been blood. Been, yeah, so it could have just been, been one and somebody was just right. quickly. But he's either very unlucky that he was almost shot or very lucky that he came away with being with out of the hospital three days later. Yeah, Saturday shot Monday out. We decide, yeah, yeah, and then he also says that Mr. Murdoch met with a sketch artist with Sled. That's his attorney talking again, right? Yes, his Is attorney it? says this in the Post and Courier article, and that no sketch was released because Sled and Alec were not satisfied with the accuracy of the sketch of the gunman. Huh. 
So, okay, so he's trying to describe it, and he's like, no, nah, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. It just and like, seems odd. Everything seems Everything's off. Everything's odd about this. There's no question. There's, there's uh, very weird things that, uh, that we have questions about this shooting, and the attorney is continuing to say he's sticking with the, it was a truck shot him. You know that that's the story. That's that or, he that he was out of the car inspecting, inspecting. again. Everybody's wondering about the changing inspecting, and that happens. Uh, he calls. Where he decided he called nine one one. Then he calls his brother. Uh, also, just a little bit ago, Fitz News reported. It actually happened as we were walking in to record this, so right. we still are kind of digesting. <laughs> So what they have said is the knife that was in question that slashed the tire was linked to Alec Murdoch. So it doesn't necessarily mean he did it. It just means... It's somehow it's, linked, it's linked, to him. linked to him. So does that could mean be, it came from his property or... Or he touched it after... Or it could be a million his, different things. It could be. It could be. It could have been that it was in his car. But it also goes to the tires being slashed or punctured, perhaps, versus... Just randomly. What are the odds you're running over a drywall screw or something? Right. There was no nail in there. Yes. Yes. Uh, And I I still think it's odd to me that this tire thing keeps... I I don't think it... I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Other than... I mean, whether well, it was the, if the, the knife flattening, is, yes. If no, the knife was linked to yes. him, then What that I mean is. wasn't a big deal was that he had gotten out to check it or change it. Right. I think that is not a big deal. Being, was it punctured? That's a big deal. Right. If he, yeah. if he punctured his own tires or, or someone else or did. Or someone else did. That's a story. That's a story. Yeah. And here's a story that I am the first to report, I guess, <laughs> is that Maggie, uh, Alex's wife, who was murdered in June, uh, was looking into... Uh, forensic accounting of the family money and where it was going. Now, when you think about it, that's not that bizarre if she was on to the fact that he's an addict. Right, so that's something was... he said he'd been an addict for a long time. Right, money was missing, so she maybe was trying to figure out where it was going. Or or she was ready for divorce. It could have been marital problems, but it could have been her just trying to figure out where is where's the money going? And I even talked to John Snyder who was on earlier about it, and he says sometimes in wealthy relationship that is just a regular thing that happens every year, every few years, or whatever by one spouse or another. But still, interesting. The point is that money, money, money—it's follow the money time, right? Yeah. And and speaking of that, we were wondering where if he if he siphoned off millions, right? Where's it going? Right. We, we we talked to John about how that would happen, but we don't know where that was going. I mean, it's reported, I think, by Fitz that it was an opioid problem. So if he's not being prescribed it legally by a physician, then he would have to... But millions? But millions, that would be a lot. Right. So it makes you wonder if there's other things. At, you got to assume you don't take money to do good. Like he wasn't taking money more than likely to feed the hungry. <laughs> right. So there there's, has to be more than likely some bad things that he used that money for. Right. I mean, was he being extorted for some reason? Was he a gambling issue? Was he uh, in in debt to bad people over something else? Who knows? We, we can speculate know. all day, and it's all alleged, of course. And I know lots of things will be shaken and baking out over the next few days. I think so. You have a very good feeling. I have a very good feeling. We're going to be speaking with our listeners 
in the next week or two. Great. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we'd, first of all, love it if you share and comment and rate. And we are open to feedback. Somebody texted me, or not texted me, emailed me at mattharris1020 at gmail.com. At some point, we must have said that uh, in, uh, AK stood for automatic weapon or something. I don't remember saying that, but a little thing like that, which is good. Straighten us out. Right, yeah. No, someone actually pointed out to me, too, that Moselle wasn't just their property. That was actually kind of the whole community there. So, Finding out things like that, like the, the River House was owned by the family, not just by Alec, things like that. So we're well open. We know we don't get a, every darn thing right, and we'd love to hear from you. Seton Tucker on Facebook, Matt Harris, uh, 1028 at com, and also... Matt Harris from uh, Mix 1079 Mornings with uh, Matt Ramona. We are out. Any final thoughts other than we're going to talk to you real soon, I bet. (laughs) Thanks, Seton. All right. Thanks again, everybody. We'll talk soon. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal.